Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This time looking at Mid-South Wrestling Television from January 22nd, 1983, taped on January 19th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana, hosted this week by Boyd Pierce and Paul Bosch. I, of course, am the great Brian Last, and joining me like he does each and every week, you may know him as the star of Booking the Territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good. Another good episode of Mid-South coming at us. The um, Let me point something out. The left side of the ring, the side with just the chairs, is quite empty. And I don't think we've seen that for a while. So as a visual as to what we're going to see on this week's episode, I wanted to point that out. I also didn't see Hank over there, obviously, because there's no chairs. And I don't see him in the first row, which led me to ask, Brian, if you were able to pick out Hank on this week's show, or if he's just missing during these episodes. You've hit me with a lot of stuff there at the top of the show. I did not see Hank. I did not notice Hank. This is another weird taping, and the audience makeup is a big part of it. That left side of the ring, not only are there less people there than we've seen in quite a while, maybe at this point last year, 1982, but also, and I don't know why this hit me during the match, but if you did a freeze frame on each individual face, of the people in that row. It's a really interesting crowd there for this show. This is one woman in so much makeup. She looks like she wants to pick up a man, but it's more makeup than I've ever seen. It's like Tammy Faye Baker level makeup. So I don't know what's going on with that crowd there this week. I knew you. Once I heard makeup, I was waiting for the Tammy Faye joke. Good God. She could put some cake batter on her face, couldn't she? (laughs) Well, I guess you could say that, but Before we get going any further and digress any further, why don't we hear the open of this show, Boyd Pierce and Paul Bosch. This is a special week because the Junkyard Dog has been reinstated. Let's hear this right now. Week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and our guest commentator this week is a man who needs no introduction, humanitarian author, lecturer, Houston promoter, and the dean of wrestling commentators, Mr. Paul Bosch. And we have an outstanding card for you signed by matchmaker Grizzly Smith. Mr. USA Tony Atlas is here, Louisiana heavyweight champion Hacksaw Jim Dugan, and our main event for the North American heavyweight title, Stagger Lee versus... Ted DiBiase. However, we had to start network time coming up. Stagger Lee has not arrived. We look for him almost any time. If he's here, we'll have him down on the lower portion of the program, as I'm sure our promoter, Paul Bosch, can tell you. You've had things happen like that to you, Paul. Well, that's why promoters get ulcers, because you make every effort to give the fans exactly what you advertise, and then there are always such extenuating circumstances, traffic, weather, such as we have uh, here right now, and so many, many things can interfere with a man getting there. But I've never known a wrestler who didn't try his doggondest to get there when he was due to be there. Right now at the ring, we have Cowboy Bill Watts standing by with the Junkyard Dog. Let's go and listen to them. Well, before we get there to that interview, there we hear the open of the show. Stagger Lee has not arrived yet, and they don't know what's happening as of this point with the North American title match we were supposed to have, Stagger Lee versus Ted DiBiase. Yeah, that's some interesting stuff right there. I mean, here we are. You know, we're anticipating, obviously, JYD being back. He's back after the loser leaves town. But yet we find out the news that all of a sudden he's back. But Stagger Lee, who's supposed to be here to battle DiBiase for the North American title, is not here. And we're left to wonder why. And 
you know, Bosch tries to explain why and how this can happen. And I mean, to, to Bosch's point, we we do see this from time to time where wrestlers are either late or just can't make it. Not often in Mid-South because we know the Cowboy would find them. I mean, Well, it famously the, the happened cow- to him. I mean, it was a famous big show. Actually, I just posted some stuff on Twitter about the show at the Summit in Houston, Texas in 1977, where he had Nick Bockwinkle, Bruno San Martino, and Harley Race. And Harley didn't realize it was an afternoon show. He thought it was an evening show. And he missed the show. He literally arrived... As the fans were leaving the building, he just got he just got there. So there's an example where the promoter, him in this case, Paul Bosch, really did have some problems, and it led to some lingering issues in the future between Paul Bosch and Harley Race, Paul Bosch and the NWA, and eventually would lead to Paul Bosch going with Nick Bockwinkle and using the AWA champion in Houston. Yeah, so there you go. That's a real example where it really happened to him. And yes, I've heard that story before about Harley Race in, in Houston. So there you go. I mean, so the thing is now, I love this from a point from a from a standpoint of view because it's like, okay, now I'm really hooked in on this episode. Is he going to show up? I mean, we're about to go to an interview with JYD, but it's like, uh, does Stagger Lee really show up to defend his title? Because I mean, seriously speaking here, we wanted to see a North American title uh, match that day. So yeah, we now we got to stay tuned for sure and see if he definitely shows up or not. Well, let's go to this now. Bill Watts interviewing a man we have not seen in 90 days on Mid-South TV, or maybe a little less because he was spotting Tony Atlas on the bench press. And that is the Junkyard Dog. Let's go to this promo right now. Well, JYD, October 27th to January 24th, 90 days. It was a lifetime for me, and I know for you, I felt like I'd lost a friend. I guess if it wasn't such a unique closeness between you and Stagger Lee, it would have really been a loss for Mid-South. But it's my pleasure to welcome you back to Mid-South. Yeah, I know it was a long time coming, like an old friend of mine used to say, it was a long time coming, but I know a change was going to come. I've been in Japan, Singapore, Hawaii, taking it easy, visiting my family, but you know, something happened. Stagley hasn't shown up yet. Well, that's right. I, I know that he has a North American title match, but you know, I've gotten to know the guy, and he's a responsible, he's defended that title, and uh, he's never been late or anything else. I'm sure he'll show up before the evening's out this type of weather this time of year planes being late uh cars you know we, we just haven't heard as to why he's apparently not even where he can call by phone but i'm sure he'll be here i'm more interested in you coming back you know whenever you're in mid-south you attract a lot of action are you in shape um maybe 50 50 i'm not as good in shape that than i was when i left mid-south area but that's just to throw a few people off you never know about the dog i'm still master even master than ever well i'm telling you brother you better be ready because we'll join in progress a minute uh, in just a second here, a match where you and Big Ernie Ladd were against the Assassin and Rick Hangman Harris. Two against two that ended up two against four. And we can go right back into Ted DiBiase being involved, and he's the one that sent you out of here for 90 days. Let's join that match and watch right now. Well, a couple of things before we talk about any of that, Mike. I guess maybe the most interesting takeaway for the long term here is Bill Watts saying, are you in shape? And JYD saying, I'm not in as good a shape as I used to be, but that's just to throw people off. And of course, 1983 is really the year that JYD's shape really would change. Yeah, you st- you, I, you're going to, it's hard to tell. You're going to see him, you know, with his shirt off, obviously wrestling shortly, but um, 
It's hard to tell, but if you put him side by side right now with what you saw in late 81, early 82, you can see the slow transformation. But you're right. His shape is definitely about to start changing. And you can see that uh, he's starting. He's going to start packing on some weight. I mean, it's not drastic right here, like at the very beginning. But if you do a side by side, in my opinion, of right now in 83 versus this same moment, you know, in, in January of 82, you can definitely see that he's put some weight on. However, I do love that he did say he is in not as good a shape right now, but he does mention I'm still nasty, nasty than ever. You know, so, <laughs> that was good. Yeah, it, uh, I, I love that comeback to um, to because it kind of throws you off. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm. I admit I'm not as in good a shape as I should be, but I'm nasty, nasty than ever. You know, meaning that I'm I'm still a junkyard dog, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a beach in a fight. We then get the replay that Bill Watts mentioned: junkyard dog and Ernie Ladd versus the assassin and Rick the Hangman Harris from. The July 17th, 1982 television episode. Coming out of that replay, we get a little bit more with the cowboy and the dog. Let's go to this right now. That all bring back memories and what you left here with all that involvement. You know, I left here with that. I'll come back and I see the same thing over Ted. I'm trying to take notes, interfering in my matches. But like I said, I'm back now. I'm back here to stay. I'm nasty than I ever been because I got a lot of things on my mind. Not only what I had Stagley and Tony Atlas come in trying to do, now I'm back myself to take care of business bill. Well, you got the Rat Pack, you've got Kamala, and I know Kamala, uh, you didn't leave here with a victory over him. That's no, got to bother you. He's one of the men's only men's right here that ever beat me outside of Ted D. Ross, but Ted is my main goal because he embarrassed me. Then Stagger Lee came in and won the North America belt, and that still leaves dogs out. Well, it's a lot of action. 1983, the dog is back. Let's go back to Boyd Pierce and Paul Bosch. We still haven't had any news from Stagger Lee. We'll keep you posted as we go along. And we'll be back with tag team action right after this important message. Well, there we hear it. 1983 kicking off with the return of the Junkyard Dog. However, the North America champion Stagger Lee, coincidentally enough, nowhere to be found. Interesting, too, from uh, Dog admitting there that Kamala uh, has beaten him. So he admits to that. Uh, but Dog firmly confirms if that makes sense that his business is definitely getting back at Ted DiBiase because remember in his eyes there is you know Staggerly and he aren't the same person and DiBiase sent him packing for 90 days so he's got to get back at DiBiase even though he's been getting back at DiBiase as Staggerly for months we're not supposed to realize that uh dog says his attention is on DiBiase so we'll see what happens but they're planting that seed like you said Kamala has a victory over the dog yeah, they brought that up. I thought that was I thought that was actually pretty good on Dog's part to kind of admit that. And I know we t we briefly mentioned that a, a couple months back uh, when we were talking because I think you gave the uh, house show results. And so I mean, I like the fact that they say that, mention it. Good, I mean, it's good to do there. Coming out of that, we go back to the desk where Paul Bosch and Boyd Pierce throw to a match from Houston, Texas. Let's go to this audio, and then we'll tell you about this match. Boyd, we're going to be showing a match that took place in Houston, Texas, and I was there the night that it happened, and I formed some very honest but very pertinent opinions about it. I, I was surprised at the volcanic temper that lies underneath that mask of uh, wrestling number two, and if you can imagine a match where wrestling two was disqualified, and this match against Tully Blanchard who up until this point had always impressed me with his toughness, if you can imagine wrestling too being disqualified for what he did i'd like you to add the commentary to this match and see if yours agrees with mine all right paul let's join that match in progress right now 
And then we go to this match, Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Telly Blanchard. I believe this is from December 10th, 1982 in Houston. Boyd Pierce solo on commentary. As they mentioned there before we even see the clip, Tully wins via disqualification when Wrestling 2 goes crazy because Tully tries to remove his mask. Any thoughts or notes on this, Mike? I mean, it's actually, they show this and it's it, the commentary itself, you know, with just Boyd is is not, it's not great commentary, but that's nothing against him. It's it's hard to voice over that and, you know, you're not in the building feeling the excitement. But to what you said and to what, Bob Roop, I said this last week, Bob Roop made mention of how possessive two is about his mask. And man, he's, he lost it. Dude. He just went nuts on Tully at the end right there. And the the win didn't even matter to him. It just was the fact that he was out for Tully's blood. It was, it was, it was kind of wild uh, when you think about it, you know, it's, you don't feel it the same way you would feel, you know, if it's a true Mid-South match, because again, it's Boyd doing the voiceover, but two goes nuts and shows how possessive he is about that mask, which uh, is the narrative we, you know, we were led to believe last week with Bob Root. Well, coming out of that, Bill Watts, once again, at the ring, interviewing Mr. Wrestling 2 about all of this. Let's go to this interview right now. Well, Wrestling 2, I think Paul Bosch aptly put it and Boyd Pierce echoed it. And anybody that's ever seen you in competition knows there's a volcano in there that really erupts when somebody messes with your mask, your identity, or insults your family. Well, you know, I always try to take the the match to the man. I always, I, I tell it was no exception. I tried to g- give him a good wrestling match, but he uh, evidently felt that uh, he could overpower me by uh, some uh, devious moves of his. And then to top it off, he went for my mask, which was his biggest mistake. As you well know, no one touches my mask but myself. If they do, they end up getting their teeth kicked in. Well, that's right. And I know that uh, some weeks back, you got injured going after Kamala Akbar and his man Friday. And you thought you'd gotten to the source, but apparently you've had another threat. And would you like to uh, Evidently, I, I thought it was all over, but I guess not. A little note here says that uh, you're nothing without your knee. Uh, they sent me a little doll here with the, the leg bandaged up and everything. Well, I got news for all of them. I'm as much of a man as any man that stands on his two feet, whether I have a knee or not. And if you don't believe it, just try me one time. And for, for those out there that could find out any way, shape, or form a positive identification of who this person is sending me these, these things here trying to wreck my mind, I've got some bucks in my pocket. I've got some dollars right here in my pocket. I'd be more than happy to shell out right right quick. Make it make it a thousand dollars. I got a thousand dollars right here that I'll be a very, very happy just to take out and hand it to the man that will bring the man to me with positive identification of whoever is sending these. Well, I know money can't buy peace of mind, and I certainly understand your feeling that you're fed up. And I join with you. I wish that whoever's doing it would have the guts to come out in the open. Bill, I'm up to I here with it. I'm sick of it. It's almost hilarious or funny, except it's macabre and it's sinister, and we don't need that. And let's go back to Boyd Pierce and Paul Bosch. You know, listening to wrestling, too, they, you could hear that temper. But I like the part at the end of the match where he was sitting in the ring and they literally had the winner of the match going out on a stretcher. Well, he was stirred up in the match and he's still stirred up, backing it up with big bucks, $1,000. Right now, we have Buddy Landell in the ring against the Louisiana heavyweight champion. Let's go for the introduction. 
Yeah, in case you didn't know it, that's Hacksaw Jim Duggan making all that noise behind everything that's happening here. The fans reacted to him, and then he starts talking to them from the ring very, very loudly. But Mr. Wrestling 2, a fired-up Wrestling 2 interview by Bill Watts. What was up with that doll? Where did they get that doll? Did you see that? That, that, (laughs) That's the best part of it, man. He pulls out this doll. I mean, like, I'd love to know where the hell he, you know. I guess they just got one of those old. Is that, Brian, do you think that might be one of those those old G.I. Joes? And they just put a mask on it and put some white cloth around him? I'm serious. I mean, size-wise, it could be. But then again, I mean, that, that goes into the funny part. At some point during the week, someone said, could someone make a wrestling two mask for this G.I. Joe doll? <laughs> I, it's brilliant, though, if you think about it. Look, you, look we're laughing, but I got to point out, wrestling two, he's really, really good here. He, you know, he he's pissed off. This person's been stalking him, you know, hounding him. He doesn't know who it is. He's talking about, you know, I'm going to kick your teeth in. And look, if that needle hits you in the mouth, it's going to knock your teeth down your throat. That's for damn sure. You know, he's he's tired of the threatening letters and he's so sick of it. He's offering a bounty to anyone with information on anyone who can tell him about who's stalking him. And he offers a thousand dollars. Now, I don't have the inflation calculator up in front of me right now, um, but a thousand dollars is a nice chunk of change in 1982. Hell, it's a nice chunk of change now. So I, I thought, too, it fired up, and I really, really love this promo from him. Well, coming out of that, Mike, we heard it mentioned. Hacksaw Duggan, the Louisiana State champion, versus Buddy Landell with Jerry Usher as the referee, no Alfred Neely, on this TV taping. And we get a little bit of discussion about the name Duggan. Once again, we heard this a few weeks back. Let's hear this again. Buddy Landell in the red. And the Louisiana heavyweight title holder, Axel Jim Dugan. Some call him Duggan, Paul. He spelled it with two G's, so either way would be proper. So for your comments, let's hear it. Well, Duggan can say it any way he wants, and he can spell it any way he wants. Because when you're that big and that tough and that aggressive, you have the right to do it, and certainly to establish your own name. Now, Duggan is trying to establish one other thing. He's been after me constantly about uh, promoting a brass knucks title tournament in Houston. Well, they were here a little bit of audio we heard previously about the brass knucks tournament, but I love the idea. It's two G's, but Boyd Pierce seems to think you can pronounce it either way. (laughs) No, that's not how it works, Boyd. uh, uh, Again, this is the ultimate rib on on Duggan, the fact that they keep mentioning this on commentary. I really think it's just planting the seed, wanting the fans to to mess with him and get on him. And I just think that's part of it. Hey, I want to point something out, too, about Buddy Landell in this match. Uh, if you remember last week, he was in there against uh, Kamala and Kabuki. Well, Buddy's got a nice little shiner on his left eye. He's got a black eye. I thought that was... I thought that was uh, something that Cowboy Bill Watts would love. He's like, look, you know, we don't have any sissies here. Like, our guys have, they really get hit. They got black eyes. So anyway, I felt like I should point that out as they are teasing Duggan with his name. Also, oh, sounds like Buddy got popped at some point during the week. But this match, I'll just give the finish right now. Hacksaw Duggan wins with the spear. But again, we talked about this before, Mike, and it's more pronounced this week. The fans are clapping for Duggan, especially as he leaves. If you look at the front row, there's a little old lady in a blue coat. She's always there. She's been there every single week. She's the one lasting old lady in the front row. She's clapping for Duggan. She always cheers the baby faces. Even she's clapping for Duggan. So he's really starting to connect with this crowd. 
He really is. He's he, he, he you especially can see it in this match when he he kind of starts hitting that um the the corner to corner thing and then when he drops Budro over the top rope um right before the spear and going for the win man you when they show that hard camera shot there are a lot of fans that are definitely cheering him and um again like we said last week he's got it man there's no other way to put it we go from that to an interview Bill Watts once again at the ring with. Ted DiBiase, this is very similar to how Mid-South would be like in 1984, where they would go from the desk to either Bill Watts or Jim Ross interviewing someone right in front of the ring. We're kind of getting into that look now for the show. But here's Bill Watts interviewing Ted DiBiase about what's going on. Let me say in advance, this is tremendous. DiBiase just keeps upping himself each and every week with how good his promos are, because if you listen to his voice, if you listen to when he emphasizes things, you believe him. And by the way, every grievance he says here is kind of true. But let's listen to this right now. Ted DiBiase being interviewed by Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, Ted, I know you must be disappointed Staggerly has not shown up. You were scheduled to wrestle a, him for the North American title. And, and now Grizzly Smith has changed the match. And you and Matt Bourne will wrestle Don Bass and Joe Stark. Disappointed. I want to know what's going on around here, Bill Watts. And I'm sure you know. I came here to wrestle Staggerly for the North American title. I saw the junkyard dog here today interviewed. Now, isn't it funny that the first time, the first time the junkyard dog shows his face in Mid-South again, all of a sudden Stagger Lee has disappeared. Now, if I had failed to show up here today with the North American title, I'd have already had to, to forfeit the title and I've been railroaded out of here. But matchmaker Grizzly Smith has got us in a tag match. What's the deal, Bill Watts? I, I exposed Junkyard Dog all over Mid-South. Boyd Pierce sat at that table over there, turned his back on me in the Superdome. Paul Bosch in Houston said he didn't see what was going on, and then there was a mysterious technical difficulty. They didn't pick it up on film. Talk about cover-up. There's more cover-up going on here in Mid-South than in Watergate and Nixon. Well, certainly I, I know you're upset about the match, but we did see one time when Tony Atlas was bench-pressing 550, Staggerly and Junkyard Dog together, so I don't think your accusations have been met with undeniable proof. I think it... Bring them out here together. Why aren't they here together? Why is it Junkyard Dog's here today and he's not... Okay, well, maybe, if, maybe if you guys would give him a title match and you'll have to take it up with Grizzly Smith, maybe Junkyard Dog and Staggerly would wrestle you for the Mid-South title. But that'll be up to matchmaker Grizzly Smith. Now back to Paul Bosch and Boyd Pierce. Thank you, Bill. That was Ted DiBiase hurling his usual accusations to everybody that will listen about everyone. Right now, we have the next match in the ring, so let's go for the introduction. Man, that was great. I love Heel DiBiase. He's getting better each and every week, but angry, pissed off. Ted DiBiase is so good because everything he's saying is true. They really are now being unfair to him, but Bill Watts doesn't care. Mid-South Wrestling doesn't care. Boyd Pierce and Paul Bosch don't care. Great stuff. I love this promo. It, it, it's ridiculous how good this is. I say this weekly. If you ever go back and, you know, watch those NWA Saturday nights, if you listen to Arn Anderson promos, Arn Anderson, he's a great heel promo, but he never lies. He just does not lie when he's saying things. Um, it, the, the example I'll give is, you know, we, we we were talking about the the angle with the Midnight Rider and how, you know, Dusty comes out and he basically, you know, bludgeons um, uh, Tully. 
And it, it's like, wait, what the hell? That was a criminal act. And Arn is cutting a promo the next week, and he's talking about how it's a criminal act. He's like, when the horsemen do it, it's a criminal act. When Dusty does it, oh, it's just okay. You know, he was just uh, trying to get justice. Well, I say all that to say, DiBiase, in the same vein as like an Arn Anderson during that time, is telling the truth here. I mean, show me the lie. Please tell me where he's lying. He's not. He's like, JYD shows up. All of a sudden, Stagger Lee disappears. What's up with that, Watts? And then he's like, look, if this was me that did this, you would make me forfeit the North American title right now. He ain't lying. I mean, let's be real. He's telling the truth. And then Watts tries to cite again Stagger Lee and JYD being in the same place at the same time when they did the Atlas uh, angle with the bench press. But DBS is like, no, no, that has nothing to do with this. Look, the bottom line is he's not here. If it were me, you'd make me forfeit. He wants justice. And again, Hill DiBiase is great, but one of the reasons, Brian, I think he's so great is because as we sit back and watch this all these years later, 35 plus years later, we're like, damn, he's telling the truth. And that's just what makes it gold. He is fantastic right here. Great, great promo from DiBiase. Great, great promo. And from there, we get an interesting match here. Kelly Kaniski versus Tony Torres with Rick Ferreira as the referee. A big size difference between Kaniski and Torres. Paul Bosch talks about Kelly Kaniski starting to develop his own style, not using his dad's style. And I didn't really have any other notes. Kelly Kaniski wins with a backdrop suplex. Any thoughts or notes, Mike? I'm going to read you my notes. Kelly Kaniski wins. That's all I have. Well, from there, we get our next match. It is the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne. No belts, by the way. Versus Don Bass. And Joe Stark, I'm guessing they drove in together from Arkansas or from Memphis, with Jerry Usher as the referee. The only note I had was that Ted DiBiase wins with a power slam on Don Bass. Don Bass, who tries to fire up the crowd at different points, of course, he would have various gimmicks in Memphis for many years. Any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? Uh, the power slam when, when um, DiBiase hits Bass with it, you know, Bass is a big, big man. He's a stout man, I guess. Because he's so big and to watch him kind of his momentum swing over, I thought it looked really good, but it was almost like in slow motion because DiBiase, I mean, Bass did well taking a move, but DiBiase's trying to power all that mass over. I just was like, man, that's a that's a big man to put that on because he shows he's so short and compact. I mean, all that weight is like in the center. It's uh, I don't know. It looked really, really good the way he came over in slow motion and DiBiase powered him over for it as they got the win. The next match is an interesting one. Tony Atlas versus Tug Taylor. Rick Ferreira as the referee. Chavo Guerrero joins Boyd Pierce on commentary for this match. Before the bell, Tug Taylor attacks Tony Atlas. I want to get your thoughts, Mike. It was sloppy at times and seemed at times uncooperative between the two. And it seemed at times like the two weren't cooperating with each other. And there seems to be a frustration. I am probably wrong. But it seemed like Tony may have actually choked him out here at the end of the match. And the way, have- the way he reacts to it, too, where he doesn't kind of know what to do after he wins... I don't know. I mean, there was something going on between these two during this match is my gut feeling. Yeah, something was weird because, like, in the very beginning when Tug jumps Tony, he's on him in the corner, and then Tug is trying to shoot Tony across the ring, Irish ripping into the other corner, and Tony is holding on to the ropes. He's like, nah, bro, I ain't going nowhere. (laughs) Tug Taylor just keeps pounding on him. And then eventually 
Tony still never gets shut off. He's like, nah, screw this. And then you see Atlas take over and he starts walloping, you know, Tug. And it's very, very weird to watch. It doesn't look like Atlas is stiffing him, but there was definitely something going on where it was like, Tony didn't want to do what Atlas, what, what, what Tug Taylor was trying to get him to do. And, and maybe vice versa. They, they were, it it was, I don't want to call it sloppy as much as it was two guys who just were like, no, I'm not doing what you want me to do. I'm I'm not doing it. No. But the sleeper hold, if you watch the sleeper hold, Tony moves his arm so that it's actually his forearm under his throat. Like, it's not like the yeah. uh, the safe part, like by the elbow. He looks like he's really choking him out here. I don't think he really choked him out, but you can tell that his forearm is definitely into that, like, right side of his neck. It, he's got it cinched. Because <laughs> even Rick Ferreira doesn't know what to do. He does the thing where the guy's in the sleeper and he raises the guy's <laughs> arms. He does it, like, seven times. Like, not three times. He just keeps raising his arm up. That's a good point. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point. He looked at it. He did it a bunch of times. I actually just pulled it up. I'm I'm starting to wonder now if he really did put him to sleep the way Taylor fell forward. Yeah. If he didn't, he's selling it really well. And watch where his arm is and know how uncooperative the match was and know that Tony seemed frustrated at several points and he wasn't yeah. doing what Taylor wanted him to do. Again, I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. But watch his arm on that sleeper hold. Watch where it is at the end. That's a real choke. Yeah, he he had it cinched in. I don't. I, here's the thing. I don't know if that if he really did go to sleep on it. But I can tell you this much: if you watch the match, they are definitely being uncooperative to each other, especially in that beginning portion, and then pretty much throughout. There's there's a lot of times when neither one looks like they want to do what the other wants them to do. Uh, yeah, there 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 is something to that. Well, coming out of that, and of course, once again, Tony Atlas wins with the sleeper. Then we get Boyd Pierce at the desk with Chavo, talking a little bit about what happened last week. Chavo and Gino Hernandez, and what's next for Chavo? Let's hear this, and then we'll wrap things up on the other side. Chavo, and one of the questions I want to ask you, gorgeous Gino Hernandez came on the scene, and I know that you yourself have a personal score to settle with Gino Hernandez, but... He came to the Mid-South area, you came to the Mid-South area, and I know he said that he had ran you out of Texas and made those accusations, but I personally know that you challenged gorgeous Gino Hernandez not only in Texas but in Arkansas, in Mississippi, in Oklahoma, in Louisiana, so I know you must have feelings about it. You know, this was my main reason for coming to Mid-South. He offended me, he insulted me, not only myself but the Guerrero name. You know, we come from a very strong wrestling family, and uh, there was even a, a, a family meeting there, and I said, Dad, I'll go take care of it. And the man, you know, he, I, was, I was mixed. He didn't, he didn't show up to any of these chicken matches because I knew it had to come down to this to see who, if he was really, to find out, to show you people, to show myself, you know. He, I even, he even got me to the point where I had lost confidence in myself. He hurt me uh, as a man and my career, but most of all, my integrity as a wrestler was at jeopardy. I had to come down and take care of it. The man didn't show up, so this proves beyond a doubt. You know, I, I kind of felt bad because I, I really, I really trained for this match because I said if I if I'm gonna let a man like this take me down, it's gonna be, it, it's not gonna be easy. I'm gonna go down fighting, but he didn't show up. But that's over with. I have a man to contend with, which is twice as tough, twice as strong, and twice the wrestlers. And I got something over him. I beat him on TV, and I know he's after me. And I'm talking about Hacksaw Duggan. That's right. And next week. Matchmaker Grizzly Smith says he'll have Stagger Lee against Ted DiBiase. You'll be against a member That's of the right. Rat Pack, Matt Bourne. Till then, Boyd Pierce saying goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network.
Well, there we hear it, the wrap-up to the show. Next week on the show, Chavo against Matt Bourne, but he wants Hacksaw Duggan. And Stagger Lee versus Ted DiBiase. We'll have to see what happens there. But to tie everything up with this Gino Hernandez thing, again, a short run in Mid-South here for Gino. He had a long history. He was there when Junkyard Dog first turned babyface in 1979. But for this time here, a short run. Last match on TV last week at the house shows during this week. Him and Chavo wrestled either Texas death matches or Mexican chicken matches, whatever that is, where Chavo beat him. Gino was out of Mid-South. He would soon not even be wrestling for Houston. He would go against them back to Southwest, running in Houston. Of course, they do the big turn. Tully and Gino have their match. And then Gino leaves wrestling for one year, almost one year. Goes to run a nightclub with some shady friends of his. And he would return at Texas Stadium for the Parade of Champions. but. This is the end of Gino Hernandez the next several months in wrestling for the better part of a year. Yeah, and it's amazing, like you just mentioned, when he shows up at the Parade of Champions out of nowhere, you're like, whoa, what the heck? And then you see that, you're like, man, what the heck's going to happen? But I, I had no clue. Um, you know, Brian, you were you were telling me uh, pre-show about the, some of the results. Not, you didn't read the results to me, but the matches that he had with uh, Chavo around the territory. And what did you say it was called? Uh, what was that specialty match, the second one? A Mexican chicken match. Okay, so I need... I, Honest to God, I've watched wrestling my whole life pretty much, and obviously it, the territories were my thing. I do not know, like you, what the, the Mexican chicken match is. Uh, so... I'm genuinely curious if anybody saw one, what they thought and <laughs> send it to me at Mike 504 Saints because uh, I'd love to know what that consisted of. And uh, please be serious. Don't try to pull a rib on me. Not that I say that everybody's going to try to pull a rib on me, but no, I seriously want to know uh, what that is. I've got some Mid-South stuff uh, from house shows. I don't, I got to look to see if I've got stuff from this time period, but that's, that's some, wow. I want to know what that Mexican chicken match is. I, I, I really want to know. Well, we'll see what we can find out. We'll give an update to the listeners if we find out anything. But as we wrap things up this week here on the show, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. And you can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. Of course, you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I'd appreciate it. Uh, also, come check out Booking the Territory twice per week on Thursday nights and on Sunday nights. Our shows drop at 6, I'm sorry, 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, we do our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps on Sundays and our NWA Saturday night recaps are on Thursday. It's fun time. It's unprofessional as myself, Doc Turner, and Hardbody Hopper talk about Southern wrestling in the most ridiculous ways that is not politically correct, but still a fun time nonetheless. Brian, this was a fun week. DiBiase with a great promo there. I really had a lot of fun discussing that and everything else that went on this week and look forward to many more. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!